0: Let's just get into the news. Sorry I'm late. Uh, Well, yeah, let's just say I'm sorry. Um, This is the hometown Daily News Show for December 5th, 2022. I am Mare Watt. That is hometown.com. I'm going to go through the news because I'm running really late, uh, but I want to get it done so that Uh, We can either chat about the news as we go or um, just let you get on with your day. Today is Monday, um, and it's definitely a Monday, so let me do this news with you. And if you are in my chat, thanks for coming and hanging out and kind of immediate like the notice went out and hopefully somebody will show up and we can have a good laugh and a chat and whatnot. So let me do the news. The very first article, and uh, I will throw the links into the chat this time. Um, and you can uh, still vote on them. So Bitcoin could plunge 70% to $5,000, Standard Chartered predicts, in possible 2023 surprise. I don't know how it can be predicted as a surprise in 2023. Um, let me look at... Bitcoin is at 16995 at the moment, but we'll see. Um, for the five day, it's actually up um, 16 whole dollars, which would be amazing if it was a $20 stock, uh, but no, and it's not a stock. Uh, I'm just going to leave that there. So, a potential crash in Bitcoin price makes Standard Chartered's list of scenarios that its analysts feel are, quote, underpriced by the markets. Not sure about underpriced. This is an article over in CNBC. Let me back that up. CNBC.com by Arjun Karpal. Um, So let's see, what's their rationale here? In a note entitled, The Financial Market Surprises of 2023, Standard Chartered outlined a number of possible scenarios that, quote, we feel are underpriced by the markets, end quote. Said rising yields along with a plunge in the technology stocks will lead to an acceleration of the Bitcoin sell-off and cause further bankruptcies and collapses in the crypto world. Hey, guess what? I've been predicting that, uh, but not off of that. I think that it's because of regulation. I think regulation is gonna drive the last coffin nail into Bitcoin. I mean, it's at $17,000 right now, but it's irrational exuberance. Look at FTX, for crying out loud. I, all of the stuff that we don't know about because there's lack of regulation just means something could happen. Something could happen at any given moment. You just don't know when the next breach and there's constantly breaches. It seems, I think that the press has gotten to the point where they're just kind of burnt out on disclosing these smaller breaches. And unless it's an FTX level collapse, they're not even going to talk about it anymore. The drop in Bitcoin's price will also coincide with a rally in gold. Robertson said, arguing the yellow metal, Hmm. you mean the gold metal Yeah, gold could potentially rally 30% to $2,250 per ounce. That's $2,250 per ounce. Quote, as cryptocurrencies fall further and more crypto firms succumb to liquidity squeezes and investor withdrawals. Yeah, I mean, it's a run on the bank, except that there's no regulation. (laughs) So who knows what the reserve level is? So when a run does happen and people can't get their money out, This is what happens. This is what will happen. It'll just collapse. Lack of faith in the system. Not religious faith. (laughs) That it can operate successfully without auditing, rules, regulations, policy, procedure. Monitoring so that there's no abuse. Like buying Bahama property with corporate funds but for personal use and we have the next article is over on the Hatch Ideas channel and uh, it says here, let me throw this in the chat, it'll throw it over into um, TV. anyway, it says here you may think Twitter was wrong to censor Hunter Biden laptop story but it wasn't a violation of the First Amendment journalist Matt Taibi? I think it's Taibi, but I don't recall right now. Anyway, on Friday, published new details about Twitter's content moderation decisions. Fox News pundits and Elon Musk described the decision as violations of the First Amendment. Twitter, as a private company and not the government, can choose what it does and does not publish. I'm not quite sure why this is so hard for everyone to understand. There are certain things that are protected classes. But other than that, if a private business does not want to do X, Y, and Z, they don't have to do it. They have to follow certain financial rules and regulations. But if they want to wholly delete something from the system, because of whatever their rationale, it is not a first amendment issue. First Amendment is a control on the government and what it can do. But a company can say, yeah, sure. Kelsey Vlamis over at businessinsider.com is the one that wrote this article here. Um, But let's see where they go into greater detail in this. I'm not sure how detailed they'll go into it, but... Twitter acting by itself to suppress free speech is not a First Amendment violation, but acting under orders from the government to suppress free speech, (coughs) pardon me, with no judicial review is, Musk wrote, despite the fact that Biden's campaign was a private entity and therefore not the government. Uh, I just see this as imagine if. Somebody else did it, right? Uh, I just, I don't know. It's, it's troublesome that it's this polarizing thing. If a private entity even asks the business, even if it was the government saying, Hey, would you mind deleting this? It's not accurate. It's demonstrably not, not accurate or whatever right it's up to the business to say yay or nay and it's not done in a backroom deal and there is no good old boys club if the government asks hey can you delete this and the business wants to because the business can sit there and say nope we're leaving it up free speech you can't tell us but if the business decides to do it anyways then then they can do it it's not a big deal Congress shall make no law. Right. 100% the clear answer is no. Doran Kalir, a professor at Cleveland Marshall College of Law, told Insider, Twitter is not a state actor, and the First Amendment or, yeah, applies only to state actors. The actual text of the amendment states it plainly. Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech or of the press. Ta-da. Anyway, Congress, the courts which have established extends to the government in all federal, state, and local levels. So whether or not Twitter could violate the First Amendment depends on whether or not it can be considered the government. Exactly. The Constitution is a set of rules that are pressed upon the government to control what the government is capable of doing and limiting its reach, not businesses. I'm not a billionaire. So maybe it doesn't apply, right? Because I'm not a billionaire. Now there's much more over at that article, so go and check it out. Uh, the next article though is over in the Distillerist channel. It talks about adult beverages, spirits. Seven Tails de- debuts spiced brandy. The creation of Seven Tails Spiced, the Black Fox, it was inspired by the success of the rum category. Grape brandy was aged in oak barrels in France for a minimum of 12 months and naturally flavored with traditional French spices as well as vanilla and coffee bean. It's a 40.7% ABV spirit and offers notes of candied vanilla and subtle black cherry that subside to a dry yet rich coffee finish. So, won me over because I love, for whatever reason, (laughs) I just love the way that coffee um, and brandy or rum, uh, I've had other coffee rums, um, they're just amazing, and I hardly ever drink anymore, it's been six weeks I think since I've had anything of alcohol to drink, but this sounds delicious, so I might have to go and look it up. Um Spirits Producer Seven Tails Distillers has released what it what is thought to be the world's first spiced brandy. So spi- spiced rum is, and not even spiced rum. Um coffee rum is what I've had before. But this is gonna have the subtle taste of uh coffee on the finish, so it it's gonna be pretty it'll probably taste pretty good. You know, it's just the spices though. Um So maybe I can try it out and come back. It says the product is recommended mixed with cola, ginger ale, or pineapple juice. It can also be used as the base for an espresso martini by combining 50 milliliters of seven tail spice and a shot of quality espresso with either sugar syrup or honey. Um, I use agave nectar now, not even sugar. Well, a different kind of sugar. It's very sweet, very good um what else could i say that it that it tastes like Mm, caramelly more than um, brown sugar does it's pretty good uh let's move on to the next article i'll move through move fast through today's articles the next priya toyota prius has been has been revealed And it's even more efficient. This week, Toyota revealed the 2023 Prius Hybrid. By the way, it looks really good. I've seen uh, pictures of it elsewhere. Uh, It's the company's fifth generation Prius, and it goes on sale. Or when it goes on sale. It'll be the most efficient Prius yet, with an estimated 57 miles per gallon, according to Toyota. But it is a Prius. Anyway. Over at Ars Technica, Jonathan M. Gitlin is the author and um, there's a picture of it. So after a controversially styled fourth generation Prius, the new car looks much more cohesive. not sure what that really means, um, but it's sportier and I don't think it really has that Prius, well, original styling. I think it's becoming more sleek. First seen on the roads in 2000, the Prius soon became a byword for environmentally conscious driving. Marked by distinctive styling, it was hard to mistake it for anything else on the road. In intervening decades, Toyota has sold millions, although fewer now than during the nameplates heyday in the early teens. Yeah, they're starting to all look the same. Like a a Tesla 3, um, Mazda... Uh, well Mazda 3 <laughs> that's weird they're all named three um yeah they, they all have the same styling now very teardrop looking kind of a shape um almost Porsche like in its styling um so let's see what else does it say in here So the bigger engine means total power output has gone up to 194 horsepower for the front-wheel drive variants and 196 for the all-wheel drive versions. Uh, Toyota's press release notes that the front-wheel drive Toyota 23 has dropped its 0 to 60 miles per hour time from 9.8 seconds to 7.2 seconds. So it'll be quicker in traffic as well. I think that's pretty spectacular. They could keep that going get it down to five seconds i'll be happy but all-wheel drive how fast is that one to 60 get it down to five seconds come on anyway it looks like a nice car um what's the price that it's going to come in at it doesn't say here i don't think um yeah i don't know i don't see it let's see if i can find it top nope all right um the next article did i throw it in there no i didn't i'm sorry let's do this real quick um you guys get to hear how or i should say you people get to hear how you all get to hear how the sausage is made um because i'll be giving you kind of a play-by-play of me putting notes or um, URLs into a showbot. So go check it out as I go down this list. It'll be in the VOD. Tomorrow I'll update everything, uh, but I have to run right after this. Uh, U.S. orders chemicals removed at Virgin Islands Oil Refinery. The EPA has ordered the removal of thousands of pounds of chemicals from an oil refinery in the U.S. Virgin Islands. That's great. Clean up your mess. Um, Let's see here. It's from the Associated Press over at abcnews.go.com, and it says San Juan, Puerto Rico. The EPA on Monday ordered the owners of an oil refinery in the U.S. Virgin Islands to remove thousands of pounds of chemicals from the site, warning that its pipes and valves are severely corroded and in disrepair, and the EPA estimates that more than 40,000 pounds of anhydrous ammonia and more than 37,000 pounds of liquefied petroleum gas are stored at the refinery in St. Croix. This is extremely dangerous. Anhydrous ammonia um, is extremely powerful when it detonates. Um, It also ordered the removal of uh, hydrogen sulfide. What the heck? see something real quick why why is it why is all this together um anyway it's a oil refinery right that's what it said that's an oil refinery I don't know. I'm not familiar with the process of refining oil, but anhydrous ammonia is very dangerous. The order comes after the EPA inspected the refinery in September and found serious deficiencies that could lead to a fire or chemical release, including piping and valves on LPG units that are severely corroded and then disrepair. And last month, the EPA announced the oil refinery could not resume operations without obtaining a clear clean air permit. So... This is one of the things that I always say is that a business will exploit wherever it can to make a buck, even when it's at odds with the domestic policy and procedure. Well, if it it matters to us here, let's go somewhere else (laughs) and then just drive the car into the ground and then walk away. Oh, we made our billions, so let's leave our hundreds of millions of equipment decomposing in some other country. They knew going into it, right? When the country said, hey, yeah, you can build your stuff here. They knew going into it that it was gonna be abandoned, right? I'm sure. Let's uh, move on to the next article. Three Ways Cryptocurrency is Changing the Way Colleges Do Business with Students and Donors. Um, This is something that I uh, wasn't initially going to take a look at, but I was curious. So let's go over to, let's go straight over to the article. And it says here, um, it's over at fizz.org by Nir Kishetri from The Conversation, um, which is another uh, podcast and uh, community. And it says here with increasing public adoption of cryptocurrencies, especially among young consumers. That's not happening. Um, universities are exploring them too. As early uh, as uh, 2022, 20% of US consumers had used cryptocurrencies. Yeah, I can't believe that. Um, according to an April 2022 report, 28% of 13 to 39 year olds had purchased at least one type of cryptocurrency. That I find really hard to believe. Um, among consumers in this age group, 13% had purchased and 38 were interested in a particular offshoot of cryptocurrencies called NFTs. Well, if that's what they are referring to, I'd have to click all of these links. Uh-uh. When I do the show, my reaction is based on what I am reading at that time. And some of this stuff I have heard before, um, but I'm not sure what they're actually linking to so like there's linking here 20% of U.S. consumers had used cryptocurrencies is referring to uh, an NBC article um, from March end of March but I'd have to go and read that Um, and I cannot believe that 20% of U.S. consumers had used cryptocurrencies that is an amazingly high number of Consumers for crying out loud! I just don't buy that. Um, it's almost like somebody gamed this poll. <laughs> it's an NBC poll, so I, I don't, I don't really buy into it. At any rate, um, the uh, the rest of this is about NFTs. I mean, it says NFT right here. So, thirty-eight percent were interested in a particular offshoot of cryptocurrencies called. NFTs because it was the all the rage. It was pure marketing. Sure, 38% are going to be interested in it. 13% had purchased NFTs. That again, like the 20%, I find it very suspect. Almost like a bot went in and manipulated stuff. <laughs> I would love to see the raw data. Um Cryptocurrencies have lost market value from the peak of about $3 trillion total market value um, in November 2021 to $804 billion in November 2022, and their uses are not as widespread as they were uh, as recently as 2021. Despite the crashes in value and loss in confidence, the collapse of some large crypto exchanges, some, yeah. So this person in their research They looked up uh, educational institutions use of crypto. So they're accepting tuition payments in the form of cryptocurrencies, which any school that does this had better be well funded somewhere because somebody's going to have to fill the gap in with that slush fund Um, receiving crypto gifts. And they better sell quick (laughs) because what they used to be a million dollars is no longer a million dollars and exploring nfts exploring me is meaningless it's expensive to actually do nfts if you think that it's inexpensive uh, there is a cost associated with it the technology has evolved to create a special kind of digital asset called nfts non-fungible tokens it's a They say a a non fungible token is a unique image, video or audio file representing an item such as a physical painting. It can be anything. It doesn't have to be a physical painting. It doesn't have to be uh, anything. The image itself that you're buying and selling as an NFT that represents an NFT is the NFT. I mean, this is weird that on a a science-based site that they're being so cagey about this. Of course, a non-fungible token is not the asset itself, but is a -a one-of-a-kind exclusive digital version of it. No, an NFT is representation of what the actual thing is. And it can also be the same. It can be the NFT. The NFT is the thing that's being bought and sold. It just represents either the NFT itself or something physical. Um, one fungible, one non-fungible token artwork, the Merge, was created by a pseudonymous artist and was sold for 91.8 million dollars in December 2021. Art is in the eye of the beholder. That's over at um, Cointelegraph.com. A life-changing money the 10 most expensive nfts sold to date that's the article that that article is referring to kind of interesting but follow the link go through hometown go over to um, fizz.org and you'll be able to read more about it um got a few more about four more and uh, then i'll let you go The next article is over in the Stock Marketeers channel. New Zealand plans law to force Google and Meta to pay news publishers for content. That's right. New Zealand intends to require large tech companies like Google and Meta to compensate local media companies for content they use and share on their platforms, which is absurd. Mike Murphy, it's all about, well, I don't know what it's about. Because nobody would know about this local news if it wasn't for the fact that it's published somewhere and it has to be discovered. The best form of discovery is on platforms that provide search results based on crawling the web. I mean, the best possible thing that could come out of the internet was crawlers to gather and align and, and produce upon demand. The world's knowledge at your fingertips. Come on, New Zealand. There has to be. Never mind. I'll leave that alone. Mike Murphy is the author of this over at MarketWatch.com. Growing effort worldwide to force big tech companies to compensate news outlets. Come on. You know, I understand if it's the entirety of the article and nobody ever follows the link because it's completely embedded But is that what's happening here? Is that what they're going after? It says it's not fair that big digital platforms like Google and Meta get to host and share local news for free It costs to produce the news. And it's only fair. They pay. I'd like to know more, right? Not just be told that this is because the implications here is that they're hosting the entirety of the article. And then not providing a link back to the source to uh, so many people just follow the link. Reddit is all about submitting a snippet of it. And even in the text of Reddit, in the comments section of Reddit, they're posting the entire article because somebody puts it behind a paywall, but facts are facts. (coughs) They can't even be protected. Facts can't be protected. The display of them. Sure. In some particular format. Sure. But the facts themselves, even from investigative journalism, it is a fact. It can't be protected. The embodiment can be. The word-for-word word deploy uh, redistribution of it can be. But a fact is a fact. One plus one equals three, right? Anyway. In the US, for example, newspaper publishers estimated revenue dropped by 52% between 2002 and 2000, or sorry, 2020, according to census data. Jackson noted that New Zealand media outlets, particularly small and medium-sized newspapers, are struggling to survive as traditional advertising shifts online. So it's critical that those benefiting from their news content actually pay for it. So who's benefiting from it? Your local news would be m- bound within the locality only and you would get a fraction of the traffic if anybody even pulls it up i'd like i really want to know more i want to know more so i guess i'll end up doing because I, I did a strategic analysis on pivoting from physical print for newspapers in particular to o- online and um it is a very costly maneuver because at some point your consumer is either a newspaper, physical print consumer, or digital, and typically not both, right? That's what my research provided many moons ago. Now, I think that it's the other way around. More people are online than offline. And that's because you can get the world's knowledge at your fingertips. And you don't, you're not bound anywhere. Your reach is further. You know, write better, I suppose. I don't know what to say. This is, it just seems ridiculous. Let's move on to the next article love to have a conversation about that that would be great if you're in the physical media press news come and talk to me let me know where I'm wrong it would be great the daily news show is the next articles uh, final destination in Gnome Town but it's actually sourced from abcnews.go.com, uh, not TV. abcnews.go.com, and it's major power outage after vandal sabotaged multiple electrical substations. Um, when I first heard about this, this is an article over at ABC News. Like I said, Bill Hutchison. Uh, Aaron Katursky and Matt Foster are the authors of this. Tens of thousands of uh, customers were without electricity amid freezing weather, apparently, in North Carolina. I didn't know that. Let me pause that. Just stop that video right there. And it says here that... um, Vandals wielding firearms are suspected of causing a major power outage across a North Carolina county that has plunged tens of thousands of customers into darkness amid freezing temperatures, according to authorities. And when I first heard about this, while vandals, yeah, I suppose um, the worst of this. Well, it says, evidence of sabotage was found at two key electrical substations following the massive uh, blackout Saturday night, prompting the Moore County Sheriff's Office to investigate the incident as a criminal occurrence and calling the FBI to assist in the probe. I think that it might be closer to domestic terrorism. And um, one of the really dangerous things here is that the defensibility of our electrical grid it has always been in question with me um i don't think that wind energy i've said this before in previous streams i don't believe that wind energy is defensible i don't think that hydrothermal hydroelectric thermal geothermal um i don't think that um solar is even remotely defensible So you're really bound by either fossil fuels or nuclear. Um, Now, fossil or fizzle, I suppose, Um, you might want to be might want to use that pithy term there. But uh, fossil fuels allow you to put it in barrels and store it somewhere right underground as deep as you want. Same thing with nuclear power. All you need is something that can act as coolant. So you want to be close to water for most, most of the time, most of the time. As far as i know uh, they've always been close to water but we've never had a domestic nuclear event um, where radiation has been leaked foreign locations have had incidents but it's typically because they don't put the right safety measures in place done and done sometimes it can be a problem because the earth itself moves and there's not much that you can really do about that. Although the ramifications are a little bit messier. And even then, it's limited. At any rate, this is being coined intentional vandalism. But the long term problem here is parts are starting to get very difficult. <laughs> the supply chain is slow. Even though the country that is building most of these parts nowadays is saying that there is no COVID issue, it's under control and la la la, it's really just smoke and mirrors being blown up our butt. And when somebody blows out transformers and does other damage to um, a power station somewhere, the parts may not be there and they have to use you know duct tape and bubble gum to make it work. So is that what's going on here? Makes me, makes me consider all of the defensible solutions that are out there. The next article is over in the Word in Tech, enhancing earthquake detection from orbit. This is pretty cool. When a major earthquake strikes, nearby seismometers can, uh, can inform rapid alerts. Uh, to residents and emergency services that potentially uh, hazardous shaking or tsunamis may be headed their way. However, local seismometer uh, measurements are not sufficient to determine in real time just how big the largest earthquakes are. So uh, Sarah Stanley, American Geophys, American Geophysical Union, um, wrote an article or phys.org and it says scientists have harnessed high precision measurements of ground displacement from global uh, navigation satellite systems or GNSS such as GPS which is GNSS uh, to well a form of it um, to complement seismometer observations GNSS data can differentiate between the largest earthquakes but are noisier than data from conventional seismometers which has limited their contributions in natural hazard applications well guess why it now can be used and it's because i read something earlier about this and then found it over on uh, ohmtown and it is because they trained a machine learning model to use gns sensor data to detect earthquakes so again artificial intelligence um, machine learning all of this constantly evolving software that evolves a whole lot faster than our skills as human beings uh, again uh, rides to the rescue and provides a solution that's way beyond what the human can do we can envision the greatness of all of this information on the other side but making it happen um, used to take You know, days, weeks, months to calculate something. And if somebody messed up with a decimal, you're game over and your Mars lander is a lawn dart instead. Well, anyway, it said, uh, when pitted against existing GNSS earthquake detection methods, the new model detected more true seismic signals and triggered fewer false alarms. In addition, unlike previous methods... The new model relies on computationally lightweight processing and does not rely on uh, additional corrections to account for false signals. Ta-da! It basically uh, finds the signal in the noise and focuses on that. Pretty smart stuff going on out there. Fundamental research folks, it goes from there to tactical to practical. So. I guess in the tactical sense of things, I don't think we'll ever have a nuclear drone that's practical. Uh, The Pentagon showed off its first stealth bomber in decades on December 2nd, and for weeks the U.S. military and manufacturer Northrop Grumman has been building up to reveal the, uh, or posting pictures of the cloth-draped aircraft and promising a new technology ready to fight future threats. In an hour-long presentation, the Air Force finally unveiled the B-21 Raider. A bomber that can deliver a nuke and is capable of both manned and unmanned operations. Here we go. Um, Over at Vice.com, Matthew Galt is the author of this. And it looks like a stealth bomber. Except that it's apparently capable of being a complete drone. A massive drone. So let's see here. Strengthening and sustaining U.S. deterrence is at the heart of our national defense strategy and so is our uniquely American spirit of innovation and invention uh, to blow up other countries. Oh, that's not what they said. They stopped after invention. And if you wanna see the strategy in action, uh, just have oil. No, I'm sorry, that's not what they said. Um, It said, uh, and if you wanna see the strategy in action, if you wanna see America's enduring uh, advantages in action if you want to see integrated deterrence in action well just look at this aircraft said stark no i'm sorry austin again i misquoted a little bit there it wasn't tony stark um anyway you know the b21 looks imposing but what's under the frame and the space age coatings is more impressive you know i love engineering i i love you know design uh, I love aesthetics and it looks pretty it looks amazing what it does is unfortunately something that humans make necessary even others say that it's necessary and I sit here and go well you know do we really need it is there ever gonna be a time where we can all be unified as uh, humans, and not seek to blow each other up because of one thing or another, but we're still building bombers, so I guess not this year. A bomber that can deliver a nuke and is capable of both manned and unmanned operations. The B-21 Raider. There you go. That's it for today's show, I think. I, I, I am going to introduce you again to OhmTown.com. I went more than uh, 60-something pages today, which was really weird. Um, normally don't have that many pages on Monday, but apparently it all caught up. Um, we're still working on the site. Uh, thanks for coming and hanging out. If you see any uh, changes to the site, uh, just know that we are working on it. Uh, That said, I am Mayor Watt. That is hometown.com. Go over there, sign up, become a citizen, and then stop by tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern. Ciao.